Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. This morning on the third hour of today, start your engines for our buddy up. The four of us race to the go-kart track to feel the need for speed. Wait until you see what happened when one of us went a little too fast. Then Dylan taps into the art of beer making when she goes on the job with two women trying to change the brewery experience. And in today food, celebrity chef Michael Simon shares a last minute recipe that you can make for your family this holiday weekend. That's all ahead today, Friday, December 23rd, 2022. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. And a good morning to you. Welcome to this third hour of today. Craig Melvin, Dylan Dreyer, Chanel Jones, Hi. Al Roker is uh, continuing to recover. He's watching us, no doubt. Friday, December 23rd, y'all. Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve. Eve. Oh, wow. That it's was creepy. It's, no, but that's <laughs> because it's special. It is. And we know you like your eaves. I do. Yeah. I do. Right. Eve I like to what eventize. is it about eaves? I don't know, because you've got the anticipation, yes. the build-up to that's the actual true. event. That's true. The potential. Which, which oftentimes I think is even more exciting than the actual event. That's, that's true. The build-up yeah. for it. So welcome to this land of potential. Yes. Christmas <laughs> Christian is just you know a couple days away now. Yeah. One of the most beautiful things about this time of year is almost every family has a different holiday tradition mm. growing up do you remember like what was your what was your favorite holiday tradition growing up uh i think our biggest thing was we all had to sit on the stairs and wait until my dad like finished getting dressed and went down to the kitchen made coffee me and my brothers we had to sit on the stairs and wait awesome. until we could go to the living room even when like they'd come home from the military and i'd come home from college like we had to oh, sit and wait that's on the amazing. stairs to make sure santa came before we could so go to the living like room so you're all like 42 sitting on the <laughs> stairs then we added like wives and husbands <laughs> to the mix exactly. and yeah, was, how about what about you, you? Um, for me, it was Christmas Eve. My grandma uh, would always do like Christmas Eve at her house. Mm. And so everyone would go over there and we would do like a little gift exchange there. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we would see the entire family. That's so nice. those were, those were I, I actually. That was Christmas Eve in our house too. Yeah, that's, awesome. that was, that's awesome. How about you? Um, so Christmas, the whole season, my grandmother playing records, all sorts of classic music. Mm-hmm. And then also there was a place, shout out to Wichita, Kansas, Giorgio's. It's not open anymore. Um, but we would have these, the best pancakes and we would go oh. for like a family group. Oh, nice. and we would on sit Christmas on Santa's Day? lap. No, it'd be like a couple days oh, before, oh, oh. you know, we talked to him about what we wanted. And then like you, I always peeked. I always got to the middle of the night. I would peek and then <laughs> like go back me? to bed. I've never peeked. Oh, you didn't peek? You think I'm going to peek? <laughs> I'm a rule follower, oh, Chanel. She's, no, you're she's right. trying to stay on the nice list. <laughs> that is list. true. I always peeked. She's trying yeah. to stay on the nice list. So, Obviously, like opening the gifts, especially for kids, that's one of the highlights of of Christmas morning. When you get a gift, do you get nervous about opening it in front of another person? Think about your answer, because there was this article in the New York Times that looked into the phenomenon, and a a couple of brides-to-be, they were asked to open gifts at the bridal showers, and they were immediately uncomfortable. What do you mean? There's this survey that was conducted by a wedding site called Zola. Uh 75% of the folks said they they did not want to open gifts in front of others. So when Hmm. someone gives you a gift, like, do you— I'm a— I'm a really good gift receiver. I 
No. How does she make this about? Like, I just, just. Let me ask you a question. Who is not a good gift receiver? No. <laughs> Who is not good I, at getting something? I am very Tell good. Tell me the rest of us. I am very good at receiving a gift, opening the gift, and being able to comment on the gift in a way that makes it like it's the best Can gift I just ever. Can I have exhibit A? Well, minus the Al Roker oh, dish gift. Do you guys remember on this show, we did, minus that. we had to give each other vintage gifts. I don't remember that. And so Al really liked nice it. I guess, right? Al got Dylan um, some, like, but so, this is like, after cups. You, wait, no, 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 no. This is after you, you gifted him, you. like, a, a feather pen, a peacock really feather nice. pen, because you love to write I was for journaling. I wrote you a handwritten cookie recipe and I put it in and a cookie into a cookie and jar. Al and Al got gave you some old plates from no, he got you China. <laughs> Listen, no, it was it was from a thrift shop. I know it was from a thrift shop, but he really <laughs> liked it. There were like plates and a little saucer. He genuinely liked it. I know he's talking back to the TV right now. And Dylan opened it and she was like, "No, I didn't make that face." But I was. I did comment. So now back to uh, what we were talking about. There was the a best story. <laughs> there was a story behind each of the gifts, and Al got plates. Al was yeah. like, "But you love to cook in their plates." It was thoughtful, <laughs> it and was I'm thoughtful. sure Al's watching right now. You know, like he's. <laughs> we love your gifts, Al. Um, holiday treats. Like, what yeah. are your favorite holiday treats? Anything sweet and like gooey. You know who's the best receiver of holiday treats? <laughs> Dylan yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one receives holiday treats like Dylan. Um, Is it time for her to receive one? Give me treats. Um, our friends at Instacart, they did some digging, and okay. they found the Ooh. most uniquely popular holiday treats by state. Okay. So we're going to start We're gonna start with God's country. Oh, we'll start cool. South Carolina, the most popular treat there, cheesecake. Oh. And the Garden oh. State, home of, huh. of Dylan Dreyer. Yeah. The most popular treat there. Thank you, Sal. Hot um, cocoa mix? No, no. Gingerbread cookies oh. from uh, and Kansas, right. that says hot where cocoa Chanel milk. is from. Yes. The most popular treat, candy, candy canes. I believe huh. that. We still love some candy canes. But mine said hot cocoa mix. No, bring the map back up. Let's <laughs> yeah. see, can we bring the map back oh. up? I think mm. you're... Oh, purple. No. Purple to New Jersey. Oh, God, oh. you got your state roll. <laughs> 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 we, actually, we actually got your state roll. <laughs> you're, you're eating the, the treat. Receive the gift. <laughs> I receive things so well. From Pennsylvania. (laughs) Yeah, Craig, I receive things so well. But they are the best receiver ever. No one receives gifts like that. No one. What the hell? (laughs) That's not my (laughs) state. These are adorable. um, Yeah, so enjoy your cheesecake Mm, and your gingerbread cookies and your candy cane. These are the best gingerbread (laughs) cookies I've ever had. All right, up next. No wonder you hit me when we went racing. Uh, Up next, we hit the track for a buddy-up race. Uh, Ready, set, go! They don't call us Speedy Jones for nothing! (laughs) Find out which one of us was a bit of a slowpoke and a major wipeout. Who's responsible for a crash? Caught on camera. The same person who received gifts so well. (laughs) It wasn't me. You won't want to miss it. And then later, a young phenom who was taking a cue from his dad, how this 11-year-old became a pool shark with a very fitting nickname. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. 
At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed it is time again for buddy up when all four of us (laughs) have a little fun outside studio 1a a few months ago we were all feeling the need for speed so we visited a local go-kart track and let's just say some of us got a crash course in racing. Drivers, start your engines. Race and Roker, pedal to the Melvin, Dylan Driver, and yours truly, Speedy Jones, met up for an action-packed afternoon of go-kart racing. Before we got started, we had an expert drop in to explain how the day's competition would work. Look at this. From none other than two-time NASCAR Cup Series winner, Ross Chastain. Hey, Hey, Ross. Hi. How are you? You ready to run some laps? Yeah, Yeah. so what are we doing? We're going to have a qualifying race. So you guys get to run a few laps, get a lay of the track, and then that will set the starting lineup for your real race. Is this going to go faster than we think it goes? I did hit the wall already, so. Okay, I'm out. All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. What could possibly go wrong? It was time to burn some rubber. Hey! Oh, this! This is fun! Get out of the way, old man! Come on, slowpoke. Well, for some of us. After six practice laps around the course... All right, last lap. Craig was clearly confident he had the edge. Al should stick to walking, I think, because, you know, this whole go-karting thing isn't working for him. I've got the results from the qualifier. Race and Roker (laughs) was a 52-second lap. Next, Dylan Driver, 43-second lap. Speedy Jones with a 39-second lap. Wow! Nice! And pedaled to the Melvin, 38. Oh! By one second. Okay, so I got some work to do. So this race, this is the main race. All right, so, the main event. And it's not about lap time now. It's only about finishing first. Let's go. Come on. Could pedal to the Melvin, hold on to his lead? We'll see what happens. There was only one way to find out. Ready, set, go. They don't call us Speedy Jones for nothing. Ah, ah, go, 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 go. Oh, she's trying to cut me off. See? Everybody thinks they're so fast. I'm just sitting back, waiting for the race to start again. Ha! 
suckers! There we go! Speedy Joe's is on my heels! But just a few minutes in, things spun out of control. Hi! <laughs> okay? Why am I keep getting all the accidents? I'm like, everybody keeps bumping into me! What are you people doing? I think this is a ploy to try and get in a better position to beat me. So try anything to win. After a quick change from my pit crew, I was ready to hit the gas again. Woo! I'm coming for you, Melvin. Deep driver on the hills. GoPro is gone. Yeah, baby. Woo! It's like I won the Daytona 500. Before we could find out the final results, we, of course, had a few choice words for each other. She teamed me. She spun out right in front of me. What am I supposed to do? Meanwhile, driving Miss Daisy here. And, and guess what? I'm fine. I almost had you. Did you? Oh, shut up! Finally, we were about to find out which one of us came out on top. Racing Roker, you were fourth. Yes! You finished. <laughs> you were second. Yes. Way to go, D-Dryer. Did you hear what she just said? She goes, better than third. In the final spot on the podium for the roughest driver on the track. In the end, it was pedal to the Melvin who smoked the competition. I want to thank my family. <laughs> All your sponsors. I want to thank my pit crew. Wasn't that a good time? That was fun. Yes! I mean, even though my knee was bruised, yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm yeah. sorry. I did not mean to like, hit you that hard. No, I couldn't stop. I was making the turn. I was accelerating, and she was, like, T-boned in the middle of the street. But then after she won, she was like, yes. That, it was so much fun. In fact, I took my son. Did you? Shortly oh. after we went. And did he beat you? No, no, no. But did he love it? Oh, loved it. Those cars go really fast. We should let you know one was seriously hurt during the crash. We also, we should thank all of the crew. I mean, a special thank you to RPM Raceway in Jersey City and to our teacher, Ross Chastain. Yes. He nearly became the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series champion. He finished in second place. He's competitive because after Dylan got me, he's like, keep going, keep going, go get her. But he'll be back for another try next season beginning in February. Ross Chastain. A lot of folks are, are saying he is the future of NASCAR. Yeah, so it's going to be fun wonderful. to watch. Coming up next, our series Generation Next, the impressive 11 year old who is devouring the competition. How he became a force on the pool table, y'all. Mm. Then a little bit later, a sweet history lesson. We're going to go behind the scenes of the oldest candy shop in the United States. Third hour of today, right back after this. This year, we've met some some pretty impressive young people in our series, Generation Next, including an 11-year-old pool phenom. Not the kind of pool you're probably thinking of. I recently chatted with a billiards prodigy with a fitting nickname. They call him Jaws. Let's go. D'Angelo Spain is making waves in the pool world. Pool, as in billiards. Nice shot there with Jaws. At just 11 years old, he's a force on the table. How good are you? I can be better, but I'm good. What's your rank in your age group? One. First. You're number one. You're the best in your age group. Yes. I would say that's a little bit better than, than just being pretty good. <laughs> D'Angelo might be humble off the table, but unbeatable when he picks up that stick. His dad, Frank, giving him the nickname Jaws. D'Angelo Spain, they call him Jaws. You know, there's a lot of sharks out here, so 
He's one of them. So if he's going to be a sharp, let's call him Jaws. And Jaws comes out firing. D'Angelo's love for pool started when he was just four years old, inspired by watching his dad play in leagues. So when the family thought about buying a karaoke machine, D'Angelo suggested they get a pool table instead. I convinced them by saying, if I get better at pool, then that would be better than just singing karaoke machine. We can get that later. You convinced them that you would get better at pool than they would get at singing. Yes. The pool table became a fixture in the family living room. This forced Frank to take on a new role, coach. I've never seen that kind of focus before out of a four-year-old. I taught him like one thing, it led to another. The next thing you know, I'm teaching him everything that I know like within a year. He started competing at age six. Now, he takes on other young athletes in the 13 and under division of the Junior International Championships. How competitive is that group? It's real competitive and real strong. It's made up of the best juniors throughout the whole country. So at every tournament, these kids are breaking it. D'Angelo brings that same confidence and competitive edge when he plays against adults decades older. When I'm playing as an adult, I feel like it's a little easier to play against the juniors because the juniors have had chances to practice all day, and I know they probably will, but the adults just probably don't even care. He's already racked up many awards, and it wasn't long before his passion for pool infected the whole family. We had no clue the whole entire family would be playing. And it's funny, they have a league. We have a pool league where they're all on the same stage. I had my own team, but now I'm going to join their team because I want to play with them because they win everything. So basically, you got tired of losing. Yeah, <laughs> I did. This pool shark has his eyes set on big goals like going pro, but for now, enjoying every moment, sinking every ball and crushing the competition. What advice would you have to, to a young person like yourself? I would tell them to every practice, try to practice every single day, and you want to stay focused. So D'Angelo actually inspired his sister Frankie Aww. to take up pool as he well. Needs somebody to play with. Yes, <laughs> yes. And they were both recently recognized by the Black Caucus of Maryland and the Negro League Legends Hall of Fame for their early pool achievements just the beginning of the show. Just getting started. Just getting started. Congratulations for that. All right, coming up next, I am going to take you on the job with two women who poured their hearts and souls into the beer business, how they're trying to change how we all think about breweries. Then later, a hands-on competition. Find out what it takes to make it in the world of competitive arm wrestling. We'll be right back. We are back with one of my favorites from our series on the job. I was recently tapped to become a brewer for a day, and I learned the craft from two women who are trying to change the brewery experience. Oh, very kind of nutty. That goes down easy. That's awesome. Okay, how many more? 15 more to go? No kidding. Leanne Darland and Tara Hankinson are brewing something special. We wanted to create a place that is approachable and inclusive and creates beautiful experiences around beer. They're the co-founders of Talea Beer Company, the first exclusively women-owned and operated brewery and taproom in New York City. 
which opened its doors in March 2021. I think of going to a brewery with my husband. I don't think of going to a brewery with my girlfriends. And you've turned it on its head. Before we even met, we identified a need. Leanne was living in San Francisco and no one wanted to go to the breweries with her. Everyone wanted to go to the wineries because wineries are beautiful. And I felt the same way that that type of experience didn't exist in beer. And that a lot of beer companies just weren't speaking to me as a female consumer. Both avid home brewers, Leanne and Tara, met in 2018 while working as the only female managers at a beer e-commerce startup. We were the only two in leadership at that point. Which says a lot. Out of 9,000 breweries in the U.S., less than 3% are owned only by women. Within three months of working together, the two realized they both shared a passion to expand the craft beer market and reach a broader audience. In our way, we are trying to change things. We saw that women are only 30% of current craft beer drinkers, 70% are men, but they're the fastest growing segment. Now that we're open and in our tap room, we find on most days about 70% of the people sitting here are women. What do you think every time the doors open and people are having a wonderful time here? It's still a little surreal, like, just to hear people say, I didn't like beer before I tried yours. It never gets old. I had to find out more, so it was time for me to go on the job and brew some beers. So everything you make is made right here? Correct. About 95%. There's one brand we have that we brew upstate New York. Wow. But otherwise, it's all here. I can't wait to try it. Uh, and I guess since that all happens here, I can actually see how it's yes. done. Yes, you can do it yourself. On today's brew schedule, Talea's Al Dente Pilsner. Here we go. First, I milled in a process that crushes grain kernels to help extract sugars and eventually converts to alcohol. We're making beer. <laughs> then I was tasked with cleaning up, or what brewers call graining out. You can grab this green shovel. The grains combined with hot water produce a sugary liquid called wort. All right, so this is where the good stuff goes, right? This is the brew deck. So <laughs> this is all of the wort or the liquid for our al dente pilsner. If we're creating a more bitter beer, this is when, one point in the process when we would add hops. It smells so good. It smells like beer. So this is just the sugary water called wort. Or oh, it is sweet. Yeah. This is zero percent alcohol because okay, it's pre-fermentation. Right. I feel like every step you take can change the flavor. That's one thing we love about beers. Fascinating. It's They're like a creative. science project all the time. Next, the wort is transferred and yeast is added to begin the fermentation stage. From start to finish, Talea's brewing production takes anywhere from three to six weeks. Finally, I couldn't wait to grab a cold one. Well, this was a blast. Thank you so much. I've learned yeah. everything coming. I need to know about brewing beers. So. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Thank yeah. you. Talea has so many different styles and varieties, including seasonal beers that they put out. Leanne and Tara told me that they have plans to expand to even more locations very soon. Did you have some? Uh, what do you think? I say yes. Yes, she had more than some. Uh, from beer to candy now. Earlier this year, we learned some, some sugary secrets in our series, The Sweetest Thing. Al stopped by America's oldest operating candy shop in Philadelphia, and it was like a sweet trip back in time. For over 150 years, Shane Confectionery, the country's oldest continuously operating candy store, has stood here. Established in 1863, the shop was just one of many candy businesses in Philadelphia. 
but none standing the test of time quite like Shane's. Has it always had the name Shane's out front? No, it was owned by Daniel S. Dangler and W.T. Westcott, both uh, confectioners in the trade. And then by 1911, Edward Shane took over and his family owned it for 99 years. Wow. So. In 2010, the Shane family sold the sweet spot to brothers Ryan and Eric Burley. Because this is kind of a turn of the century candy shop, do you always dress the parts? Wearing the bow ties also doesn't get caught in the machinery. Preserving Shane's became a labor of love for the brothers, restoring everything from the floors to the decades-old candy-making equipment. It was really a jewel that needed to be polished, and we were just astounded by the beauty of the place and the fact that they were still making chocolates here. Why was it important to keep the name Shane? They had been here for nearly 100 years. It didn't feel natural for us to impose our own name or some other name. How much responsibility do you feel in carrying on the tradition of this really historical name here in, in Philadelphia? I think part of uh, the, the history and calling uh, for carrying out confectionery is having roots in integrity of how they used to do it. Those candy-making traditions alive and well upstairs above the shop, where Shane's chocolates are handcrafted from bean to bar by a team led by head chocolate maker Kevin Pascal. Do you dream about different kinds of chocolate bars? Like, thinking about what's the next chocolate bar? And we get inspiration all the time from all kinds of different things. You kind of think about how you can translate these things into like a confectionery experience. So you're gonna show me how to make a bar? Yeah, yeah. Get your mold ready, okay. press the pedal, slide the mold all the way to the back, okay. let the chocolate deposit. After a few tries. This is what our finished bar looks like here. And this bar is etched in the exact same way that that chocolate maker used to make chocolate here on this block at Benjamin Jackson. And then this is the back topped with our sea salt and our peppercorn. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's very unique. Today, the shop still an homage to the past by making clear toy candy a rare seasonal sugary treat dating back to the 1800s. Mark, I've, I've never heard of, of clear toys when it comes to candy. What is that? It's a Pennsylvania German tradition. It's candy statues at the end of the day. We have 1,200 molds, and they're all very, very old Victorian designs. So how do you do this? Because uh, it, it's, it's like molten sugar. So what could possibly go wrong? A lot. <laughs> In fact, Weather is a huge factor when making clear toys. It needs to be cold and it needs to be dry. If it's really anything else, you get sticky product, you get cloudy product. All right, and now we wait. After about 30 minutes, time to pour some sugar. You're doing great, you're natural. But I learned quickly, this is not so easy. It's delicate sugar, it'll break in your hand. Then we crack open the molds and see my clear toy creations. I'd like to give you a hand. Maybe we'll call this one Owl Roker. Ah, well, when they made me, they broke the mold. My work here is done. So good, right? Well, we'd show you some of the candy that Al brought back with us, which he did bring some back. He did bring some back then, but it's all gone. It's all gone. gone. It's all gone. (laughs) All right, just ahead. They are serious competitors inside the arm wrestling group that's gaining steam right here in New York and how Sylvester Stallone helped inspire this movement. And then later, it is not too late to plan a fantastic holiday meal. Blaze Pam, anyone? Mm. Celebrity chef Michael Simon is going to show us how. We'll be right back. We are 
back with our series, The Upside, and the throwback to middle school cafeterias. <laughs> arm wrestling. Sorry. Apparently not just for kids. No, you know, it's... You were an arm wrestler? <laughs> Shut up. That's not true, is it? Do the story. Okay. Uh, Joe Fryer found out about an arm wrestling league right here in New York that's building community through competition. New York's Long Island is going out on a limb. Right arms and left arms, all part of the Urban Arm Wrestling League. It was created in 2019 by Jaron Nixon. Jaron, what was it that drew you to arm wrestling in the first place? What is it you love about it? To be honest, what drew me to it, and I'm, I'm probably going to sound a little cheesy, but there was a Sylvester Stallone movie called Over the Top way back in the 80s that's like a, a pop culture phenomenon. It's a cult classic. Once I saw that, it just stayed with me. The Urban Arm Wrestling League puts on training sessions and high-energy competitions. The arm wrestlers are actually called pullers, and the league has been pulling in all kinds of contenders, men and women, pros, and newcomers, including rookies like Leslie Jean-Pierre. She's a military vet and a mom who started pulling just over a year ago. What is it about the actual sport when you're there at the table looking at another person that you love? That you want to win. <laughs> There's no judging. Nobody's telling you, that, oh, I think, in my opinion, the expert who knows the sport gives me a 10 or the other one gives me a 7. I won or I lost. Here are some of the rules to wrestle by. You have to keep your competing elbow on an elbow pad, keep your non-competing hand on a peg that's on the table, and at least one foot must be in contact with the floor at all times. You can see Leslie keeps her other leg wrapped around the table. What's the hardest part about it? The hardest part is um, losing. No, the hardest part is, is, is getting up there. You don't have a ton of women, so you are limited to who you're pulling. But knowing you're going to go up there and you have a really good shot of losing it takes a lot of courage. Leslie, let's imagine here virtually you and I going head to head in arm wrestling here. What's, what's the first tip you're giving me? Be ready to lose. <laughs> Despite that competitive spirit, the league is all about welcoming people with open arms. I think it's really empowering the community. It's also empowering Jaron, who is grappling with some other issues. It gave me focus and direction. It kind of saved my life. Back in 2019, I say 2020, I was living in and out of my car, so I had a lot of personal things I was going through. By putting his energy into developing and promoting the league, he wrestled his way out of the darkness. It kind of helped me with my insecurities, my anxiety, my depression. You know, I ended up going to therapy for over a year. But I'm here now and, you know, feeling real good about my situation personally, professionally. And he's getting help from Leslie, who's now a vice president for the company. She recently put on a demo for girls in the community and hopes that mentoring will help strong girls become strong women, physically and mentally. And by the end, they didn't want to leave. I think they were trying to fight over who took my table home. And here's the kicker. Jaron does not arm wrestle. The fact that you yourself don't arm wrestle but love it so much, that might be a head scratcher for a lot of folks. It probably is, but I think once they see how passionate I am about evolving the sport, elevating the sport and the work we do in the community, I think that kind of will give it more credibility. Because for Jaron, success is the ultimate flex. 
Well, the club is also throwing their muscle behind some worthy causes awesome. as well, partnering with local organizations to help those in need. And they're advancing their mission of trying to get more girls involved in the sport as well. And you did some on wrestling. I'm telling gr- you, like I learned up. it from Joe. It's all about, you know, technique. Is yeah. it? I'd really? like to. I'd pay good money to see you two on wrestling. How about you? I can take you on. <laughs> really? Go for you it. Do it right now. Yeah. We'll do it tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just got to practice a little bit. Up next, a holiday ham that you'll have your family coming back for seconds. Celebrity chef Michael Simon shares his last-minute recipe in Today Food. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We're back now with the last Today Food before Christmas and a great recipe to serve to your family this weekend. Celebrity chef Michael Simon is here to put his spin on the holiday ham. Michael, take it away. Hey, everybody. Happy holidays. Now, one of the things that I think is on almost every holiday table, um, certainly was on mine growing up, is a glazed ham. So here is the glaze that I like. It's not super sweet like some of the ones you get in the packages, but it has enough sweetness to it to counter the saltiness and smokiness of the ham. So in a saucepan, I have um, a half cup of apple cider. I have one cup of maple syrup. Sometimes you could even find a smoked maple syrup, which would be delicious in here also. Um, A half cup of molasses, which gives it kind of that dark, sultry glaze that I love so much. Now, this is an ingredient you could put in, you don't have to put in, but I think it really makes it extra special. It's a little bit of red curry paste. And then I'm using mustard seeds. You could use a Dijon, you could use a coarse ground mustard, you could use a brown mustard. Pick the mustard you love best. So that goes in. And all we're gonna do is give this a stir. And then I put this on my stove top and I reduce it by about a third till it starts to get a little bit thicker. And then I have one clove of garlic. I'm just gonna give it a little bit of smash and that goes in there. So we're over medium heat and we're just gonna let this kind of cook down. It's gonna take about 10 to 15 minutes and you can see how it's that nice kind of syrupy situation in there and that's what I'm looking for. Now for the ham. We took our ham out of the fridge. We need to warm this through before we put the glaze on. You know, once you get to that like 145 internal, I think that's a really nice eating temperature. So you could just go to about 145, which is gonna take about an hour and a half. Oil goes on, and I'm gonna put this into my 250 degree oven. So now we're gonna take our glaze, 
and our ham that has been warmed. And we're gonna hit it with our first glaze. All right, so that's ready. And now this is going into our 400 degree oven. It's gonna go in for five to 10 minutes. We're just gonna keep an eye on it. And then when it is starting to caramelize, I'm gonna put on the second glaze. See there, all that great color on there. Really starting to caramelize up nice. And we really just wanted to kind of seep into all those nooks and crannies there. Layer your pan with a little bit of aluminum foil. It makes cleanup much easier because the glaze does start to caramelize and then it caramelizes to your pan, which makes a mess. So this is gonna go back in. It's gonna go for about five minutes. It's gonna have that beautiful shellac on it now, a little bit of that darkness in some of those places, which is just what I'm looking for. Oh my gosh, look at it. I mean, it's a thing of beauty. So now all you gotta do is put it on your tray and it is ready to serve. When you dump that glaze on there, some of it makes its way down into your slices. So you get that incredibly tender ham. I mean, to me, glazed ham perfection. Happy holidays, everybody. Mm, that looks good, huh? Yes. Know, right? And there's still time to make it, Michael. Thank you. For this recipe, head to today.com slash food. We'll be right back. Well, that's our show for this morning. Thank you so much for spending your Friday with us. Hoda and Jenna are next. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend and have a very Merry Christmas. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com.